0: Hello, listeners. Well, you're going to notice that I have this really unusual trend of vegans on the show, and it's not even intentional. And they aren't typically coming on for that specific reason, but it seems to come around to that conversation. So if you've been listening to those, you're, you're with me wondering, is there something ahead that I'm not sure of yet? But anyway, um, I encourage you to always be open to these kind of conversations, just like I am, because it is enlightening, right? I mean, hearing people talk about something that they're passionate about, especially when it comes to protecting animals and the way that we eat, it's, I find it fascinating, interesting. It, it really gets into the core of who I am, and I hope one day I will be part of the vegan movement in my own time. You know what I mean? I guess that's all I wanted to say about it, but with that, here's today's episode. Everyone, I'm doing something special in 2018, 18 episodes featuring people who are standing up for something for a cause for a purpose and out there, you know, hitting the pavement using their voice, whatever it is, to help others or help other beings or help our earth or whatever that particular focuses for them. So if you know somebody standing up for a cause, have them contact me jaynicklistingparticles.com. So we can have a conversation and I can shine a light on what they're doing. Hello everyone, in today's episode I'm talking with Claire and she's got a few things going on. She's a vegan, she's an animal activist, and she's an LGBTQ activist as well. And it was really good for me to have this conversation with her because first of all, I learned a lot, which is always good, but I tell you, these people doing amazing things every day and they show up and talk to me, feel so lucky and I thoroughly enjoyed every bit of this conversation and I know you will too. There she is. Hey, Claire, welcome to Glistening Particles.
1: Hi, thanks for having me.
0: I'm so happy to have you here because the universe is sending me an influx of vegans. That's what's going on here. So, and I get the message. Um, I get that there's some sort of huge message I'm supposed to be hearing. And trust me, I'm hearing it. I'm just a slow, which I'm a slow changer sometimes. So I want to mention to everybody where we connected. So Michael, who was on episode, I think, 78, 78 or 77, just recently. Before yours. Um, he is a vegan activist. He has this really cool um, show that he does called The Animal Show. And if you get, if you check out his website, michaelherron.com, and go check out where he's playing and go check him out, somebody send me pictures on social media so that I can, uh, or somehow email them to me so I can share them out to Glistening Particles and let him know. Like, we met you. We hooked up two people here. We got a fan <laughs> and Michael in the same space. That's awesome. And so you, uh, Michael recommended you because. I have this very um it's not even like a theory, I think it's a fact the people who follow their passion surround themselves with people who follow their passion, right yeah, I completely agree, and so you um definitely have a passion around veganism, and i is that the right term? Let me ask you that veganism It
1: is one of many terms, but okay. yes, veganism is one,
0: okay, so why don't you share with everybody you know how you got to make that, how that came that to, to be part of your um your life right?
1: well um, veganism wasn't even in my consciousness really um, I grew up in California um, until I was about 24 um, I met my partner who's now my wife um, we moved to Miami um, and then when I was in Miami I um, I think it was a meetup like app and um, there was a protest for Lolita the killer whale at the Miami Seaquarium and you know I love animals so I said oh this is this sounds fun and interesting and um, you know enlightening so I went to this, to this protest and, you know, I'm hearing the story of Lolita, the, the orca that's been in the site in the aquarium for, I think, almost 50 years now. Mm-hmm. Um, it was 1970 um, when she was, she was captured from her pod and her mom in um, Puget Sound, Washington. Um, they, you know, they brought in planes and speedboats and and basically bombs to uh, trap these orcas into a cove and then they plucked them off one by one, the ones that didn't die from this, and they sold them to um, aquariums around the world. So one of them was, was Miami Sea Aquarium. So Lolita is the 7,000-pound orca Hmm. that lives in the smallest tank in North America. Um, The tank is like 35 feet wide and 20 feet deep. She is 21 feet long, so she can't even go all the way down to the bottom without her tail sticking up. This is an illegal tank. Yeah, so this is obviously drawing tons and tons of people as outcry. So anyways... (laughs) Um, so I'm at this protest and I'm meeting other animal activists. I never considered myself an animal activist. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm, and you know, I'm, I'm hearing these stories and people, a lot of them are vegans. Um, and one of the women, I can't remember her name off the top of my head right now, but she works for Vegan Outreach. Uh, Vegan Outreach is, a, is an animal rights group um, that helps promote you know, veganism and living healthy and um, more so just animal rights. Okay. So she invites me to this this table on Miami Beach and she's like, Oh, come check out our um our vegan outreach table. And I'm like, Okay, that sounds fun.
0: Uh-huh. <laughs>
1: so I go there and there's all these tables. It's a big it's a big thing at Miami Beach. And they're playing this video, it's it's from meatvideo.org or dot com. I'm pretty sure it's com. Okay. And it basically shows how each animal is killed. So we have, you know, the pig and the cow and um, the chicken. And by this time, I had mostly given up all, all meat except for fish because I, I loved sushi. Uh-huh. So I'm watching this video and then they show the fish being skinned alive. <gasps> it, was l- it was the most awful thing I would ever seen.
0: Why do they do that?
1: Because that's how they kill fish. They, you know, they pluck them from the ocean and and they literally just skin this fish alive. They
0: don't kill them? I mean, not that I want them to be killed. So get that. (laughs) That's not my, but I mean, really? You're serious. Yeah, I
1: mean, some of them, you know, suffocate by just being out of the water. But in this this particular video, it was just the fisher person ripping the skin off of the fish while it was still alive. It was, so I'm hysterically crying on um, South Beach. And my, my partner, my wife now, um, she, you know, she like escorts me back to the car. Uh-huh. I, It was with that video that I made the connection between the fish that I was eating and Lolita, the whale that I was advocating for every single right. weekend of, of my life right? <laughs> in, in my Miami life. Um, so that, I mean, that did it for me. Um, and then, and very shortly after, I think it was maybe a week after, um, veg week came up, which is, um, it's actually coming up now in April. And it's like a challenge. It's like, do veganism for one week and, and see, you know, see how it goes. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this vegan challenge. Um, so I did it. And within like several days, maybe like two or three days, I had so much energy. I didn't know what to do with myself. So I started, you know, I started like exercising more and running and, you know, taking my dog for longer walks. So, I mean, just with this increase of energy Increasing in exercise because I had so much energy, I didn't know what to do with myself. Um, I lost, wow, you know, that would be awesome. Yeah. That would be awesome, I right? I think I lost about 20 pounds in, in, I don't know, maybe two or three months. Um, so it was pretty quick. And I didn't, and the only thing I did really was change my diet and move a little bit more, which is pretty simple stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but just taking the animal products out of my diet, especially the dairy, just um, it, it made me lighter. I felt like a lighter person. And then my conscience was finally clear.
0: Well, that's what I wonder, like, I wonder, um, because you know, I'm getting so close to this, right. I can see, I can see the handwriting on the wall right now though. I'm trying to resolve some major, um, uh, sensitivities to things like any kind of grains. And so once I have that figured out, then I would have something left to eat because I don't think I can go all the way raw vegetables all my life, you know? Um, So I think, I wonder, like, I think when you have that energy thing, if it's actually, like, finally, you're, you're like, not in conflict with yourself. Yeah. Because being in conflict with ourselves is, like, such a burden, right? Living inauthentically is a burden to our, our energy in such a big way. Yeah.
1: And that goes for a lot of ways, living authentically.
0: Right. Exactly. It's not just about veganism, but it's about you know, working for an unethical company or doing things that you don't, don't, aren't in align with our ethics or whatever, but all of those things. But that's one, like I'm to the point now where I've had so many conversations with, with vegans and I keep moving closer and I just found out, I know these, this doesn't align with, but vegetarians, do vegetarians eat eggs?
1: Um, yeah, they do. And vegetarian is often a a loose term (laughs) that people use. Right. Like, like some vegetarians will say, Oh, I eat fish. Well, fish aren't vegetables. Right. um, (laughs) So you're a pescatarian.
0: Right. So like, I just found out that, you know, I was moving way away from meat to, but I would have lots of eggs and found out I'm super sensitive to them. So, but my, but my point is I think that I'm just in constant conflict with myself until I sort this out.
1: Yeah, and you don't really have to be anymore because there is literally a vegan version for everything.
0: <laughs> but what if you can't eat soy and you can't – like I can't eat soy, corn, dairy, gluten, like all those things. <laughs> so what? Well, I'm going to
1: send you some resources.
0: Okay. <laughs>
1: um, but, yeah, I mean vegetables, you can sustain yourself with with vegetables. I know that doesn't sound very, um, you know, appetizing to eat vegetables all day, every day. Right. Um, but you said grains are out. Yeah. Um, and yeah legu- legumes
0: I'm, are sketchy i'm still trying to figure that out what kind of dog do you have
1: she's an american bulldog Aww, what's her name her name's pumpkin she's also <laughs> vegan
0: is she that's so awesome i just started feeding my dog vegetables about a year ago raw veggies with her um, regular food and she loves it she's she's actually an elderly though she's like 13 and a half but um she she's so happy about it when she has carrots on her food she's like ooh, this is awesome
1: Yeah, I mean, I make her like the craziest, like the pretty, I try to make really pretty bowls for her. Like, you know, I put like coconut in it and blueberries and flax seeds and all sorts of things um, so that she wants to eat it more. It's more exciting for her.
0: Is she like, is she really healthy with that?
1: Yeah, because when I went vegan, um, she was getting rashes like for her whole life. And then as soon as I went vegan, I was reading about what was in dog food. Oh, yeah. Okay, well, let's switch her food and see how she does. She hasn't had a rash in four years.
0: Wow. And she doesn't need any other supplementation?
1: Nope. Dogs are okay being vegan. Cats are not. Cats are, are carnivores. But dogs have intestinal tracts like we do that are really long. So more prone to cancers because you're not clearing your intestinal tract as easily. So, so that's, that's a, dogs can okay.
0: Be vegan. Okay, dogs can be vegan. Cats cannot. That's good to know because I would hate to um give out false information. So, <laughs> with dogs though, okay, this this just popped in my head. People who are not vegan or anti-vegan, I guess, say, "Well, humans developed canine teeth, so we're meant to eat meat." So then, what does that whole have <laughs> to do with canine teeth? Because they're the dog teeth, right? That's um, where that came it's from. Just-
1: I think people are just making excuses. We live healthier and happier lives as non-meat eaters. Um, all the vegans I know are, are healthy and happier with those choices. I mean, I'm, I'm a nurse and, and I've, you know, I see all my patients come in with heart disease and diabetes and all of these things that could be prevented by eating plant-based. And a lot of like the plant-based doctors will say like, you know, we could prevent like, I don't know, somewhere from 70 to 80% of, of our diseases by eating plant-based.
0: You just say so it's not, just, yeah. ethics. You it's just, not just ethics. It's not just ethics. Sorry. No, you're right. You're right, and that's the thing. Like, if I could find a way to have something left to eat after I like figured out, I mean, I'm I'm so close. Like, I know that this, I can tell. Like, I feel it. You know how you get that feeling? Like, you know this is where you're heading. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I don't think I don't think it's going to be. A, I'm I'm not going to be able to hide from it any longer. And I don't mean <laughs> it like that because, really seriously, I do have this like constant ethical challenge when I eat meat. Now I'm there. I'm that I'm there, which I don't think a lot of people get there. First of all, I mean,
1: well, kids are inherently compassionate. I mean, I've seen some of these videos where, you know, the kid finds out that, you know, their chicken nuggets is actually an animal and they just, they sob and they lose it and they don't want to eat it because kids get it. Kids are more close to purity than adults are because we've been jaded and hate the world. (laughs) Well, we drank the Kool-Aid.
0: We drank the (laughs) Kool-Aid is what it is. We like, we were conditioned. This is what we were brought up to do. We were supposed to eat this way. You need these things, you know, every, the propaganda was on the other side. And until we seek out the other message, we don't see anything different, right?
1: Yeah. And I feel like, you know, with kids, we shouldn't lie to them about where their food comes from. It's, you know, people say, you know, like they they should eat meat and they should, you know, you're, they, they call vegans, you know, like hippies and it's a cult and you, and they're influencing their kids to eat a certain way, but we're, the rest of society is also doing that same thing as right. influencing their kids and not even telling them where their food right. comes from. And who's and, healthier? And,
0: who's healthier, right? I mean, that's the yeah. bottom line.
1: And making up stories like, oh, you know, the animal died for your food. The animal was already dead. No, it was dead because, you know, we killed it for the
0: right, food. Right, right.
1: So, I mean, I think just being honest with kids because it's it's pretty – it feels, you know, like you're losing trust in, in the world when you find out the truth. Like the, you know, our parents lie to us, our the right. society lies to us. All, you know, so, so when you like, find out the yeah. truth, it's, it's like pretty... the Tooth Fairy.
0: It's like the Tooth Fairy. It's a big <laughs> crash, only worse because a lot more people suffer. A lot of animals suffered in the in hold, withholding, upholding the the um, fantasy. You
1: know, right? Than not getting your quarter under your pillow. <laughs> right, right. And on. you know, there's really great children's books. There's a series of books by Ruby Roth, and she has amazing, like it has pictures, and it it's it's very kid friendly language about where your food comes from mm-hmm. and. And how how it is to be a compassionate vegan. So I would recommend those books um, for any kid.
0: Um, so let's see here. Where do we want to go next? How did you how did you end up in the DC area then?
1: Um, well, uh, we were in Miami for three years while my wife was in residency, and then um, when she got her job as an attending, um, we picked the DC area. So um, just for mainly because of the vegan options the city life and and being very queer friendly because that's really really important to us we Mm -hmm. don't want to be in a place where you know where there's a lot of discrimination i mean there's discrimination everywhere but dc is extremely progressive and extremely um cultured and diverse so that's that's a big big thing for us is to have diversity in our lives right so we ended up in dc and um you know, I, am a nurse, so I can work anywhere, which is the best thing about nursing. (laughs) Yeah. So, you know, she got a job first and then I kind of got the house together and then got a job too. And, and now I work at an amazing hospital, um, where I work in the emergency department and I'm also their new LGBTQ, um, resource nurse. So it's a new position for me, it's a new position for the institution, and um, I'm kind of, you know, making up as I go along because there's no clinical position like this out there.
0: Uh-huh. I love that. Yeah. I love so that.
1: It's That's incredible. It's education, advocacy, and community outreach in a nutshell. Mm-hmm. Um, so mostly what I've been doing is just educating um, our staff who, you know, I found that mostly people want to know this information, but mm-hmm. they're not taught it. I mean, so in nursing school and medical school, you're not given this like LGBTQ 101. Mm -hmm. You're basically told, like, be nice to everybody, which isn't (laughs) which isn't the best way to go about it, because every subgroup has their own disparities and we need to know why and that um, it matters how we treat people. So, you know, I give education on how to ask for people's pronouns um, and Mm -hmm. how not to assume who someone is in the room with them, like. Don't assume that's their brother. That might be their husband. (laughs) So, right, just just the little things that help um, our community feel more at ease and um, get a little bit more trustworthy with the healthcare system. Because honestly, the healthcare system has been pretty awful to the queer community, especially the trans community. So, I'm kind of trying to (laughs) build that back up.
0: Well, I feel really lucky to say that I have some of that experience in my own extended family to help educate me because. I know that I needed that. You know what I mean. And it's not mm-hmm. it's not at all from a, a acceptance or you know like discrimination perspective at all. It's more from a understanding the pronouns. You know, I needed an education right. on that, and I was really glad to have it. And even now, I trip up, and every time I apologize, I'm like,
1: oh, sorry.
0: I'm trying to get better at it, but it's like,
1: yeah, and I think just people trying, and you know, it's okay to to mess up if you use the wrong pronoun or, but it just you know, apologize and move on. Mm-hmm. Um, Just showing that you were trying and that you care is is a huge step because honestly, most people, um, not most, but a lot of people, you know, are are intentionally rude and intentionally awful, which isn't, I guess it's surprising and isn't surprising all at the same time. But in healthcare, you would think that people would be more sensitive and
0: compassionate. um,
1: You would think. (laughs) But, you know, there's a lot of like cultural biases and. Right. And, and religious biases and just how you grew up. So it's a lot of retraining and, and fixing things systemically. Yeah, I mean I'm really positive I have a positive outlook about about this position and, and people's attitude because mm-hmm. um, people are just like, wow, I didn't know this and I didn't know that I could ask these questions and that I right. should ask these questions. Right. So you know and some you know I've gotten some pushback from some people, especially when it comes to like religious freedom. don't get me started. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> which is basically right. like license to discriminate. Um, but we're in healthcare, so we need to treat everyone, you know, we need to treat everyone. I mean, I have to treat the the guy with the swastikas calling me a dyke, you know, right. as I'm trying to save his life. So, right,
0: right, right.
1: So the least you can do is treat, you know, the LGBT community with respect.
0: Right, right. Have it go all ways. Yeah. So, okay, can I ask some really, ba- like, naive questions? Because then sure. we're teaching our listeners that might not know these <laughs> things as well, which I love to use this platform as a way to share insight from people who are closest to it. So the one pronoun I, I struggle with is they and there, because I keep thinking it's multiple people. And <laughs> my brother is trying to educate me on that. And I know he is, but I still don't get it. So um, in fact, he sent me a link and I didn't read it yet. So it's all on me. But if you could publicly explain that, because I want to be able to know that I'm talking about that person when we're saying in a conversation like Blah, blah, blah. Went to campus. And, and they say they went to campus. I'm like, well, wait, those two or that person? Does that make <laughs> sense? Yeah. And okay. grammatically,
1: I know people struggle with, with they, them pronouns quite a bit. Um, But to me, I look at it as a very gender neutral way of speaking. Um, So when you are not sure of someone's pronouns um, or if this person already identifies as non-binary and they tell you, I want you to use they, them pronouns, um, it's a way of just it's it's kind of like using spouse or partner um, as like a gender neutral way of speaking. So, of course, you know, if you're not sure, it's a good, easy way to um, use it until you find out what their um, preferred pronouns are. Um, But I try to, I think the best way to use they, them them pronouns is to practice. Mm -hmm. Um, Because there's, you know, the more I'm in this position, the more they, them individuals that I am encountered with. So the more I practice with everybody, just trying to use they, them with everybody, Mm -hmm. you kind of get in the habit of doing it. And it's just, you know, Mm -hmm. if someone asks you to call them a name that's different than, you know, their birth name, Um, you do it. I mean, I have people in my life that use nicknames or other names that are completely different from the name that, um, you know, is on their birth certificate. Right. Um, Like my stepdad, for instance, is his name is Robert and he goes by Woody. Right. So, you know, you just it's it's the best way to be respectful and to call people by what they want to be called. So I know people have a problem with them because grammatically speaking, but just practice.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it's not even like I have a problem with it. I mean, I'll use it in, in my in my words. But when someone's using them to me, I don't know who they're talking about. So, do you think they'll come up with like a new set of pronouns?
1: I mean, there's there's a couple out there um, that people use. Um, I like Z that Zem. I I don't pronounce it very correctly, so I don't really okay. want to say it. But I love just they them is is just okay. the best gender neutral way of especially for like medical speak. Right. Um like for charting you can use that. Um I know my wife uses it for her charting to mm-hmm. keep it gender neutral with her patients.
0: Okay. That's good to know. See, I just <laughs> wanted an explanation from another third party who isn't my brother who's always, you know, he's so good at helping me be I, I guess just helping me more be more aware. I like your brother. Yeah, you would like him. You would like him and his family. He has an amazing family, too. So do I. I don't mean to say that, but he, <laughs> his family is really cool. Um, what was my other question? If people wanted to learn more and build a better understanding and so that they are inclusive, I guess, you know, and not – how where would you send them to just go like, hey, here's a really good video to watch or here's a really good book to read? So that you just have like a sensitivity and a compassion. A, you know what I mean? Just a sensitivity, I think, is it. Because I think the compassion is there within me. I am compassionate. I All those things. I just don't want to be. And am, am I using like all wrong words so far? No, Correct you're doing me. great.
1: <laughs> you're doing totally great. Okay. Okay. Um, I For medical people, I always, always, always recommend the Fenway Institute um, modules. They're online and you get um, credits for them. Um, And I think it's the best resource for medical personnel to learn about, you know, just basic LGBTQ 101. Mm -hmm. Um, And I I feel like almost anyone could probably understand most of the things, especially a lot of it's just terms and how to ask pronouns and things like that. And it gives you different scenarios. Mm -hmm. Um, I love there's this graphic called the Gender Unicorn. Mm -hmm. Um, It's by the Trans Student Educational Resources Group and you'll have to, I'll send it to you. It's, okay. um, it's basically like a unicorn and uh-huh. it goes through the different categories, gender identity, gender expression, um, assigned sex at birth and then physical attraction and emotional attraction. So it's kind of like on a spectrum. So you mm-hmm. can see how, you know, no one is the same and everyone is somewhere on the spectrum. Um, you know, cause you know, we all have our gender identity, um, how we identify, and then our gender expression, like how we dress, mm-hmm. like sometimes I wear a suit, sometimes I wear a dress, that's my gender expression. Mm-hmm. And then you're assigned sex at birth, which is a mixture of your, your anatomy, your chromosomes, your horm- hormones. So mm-hmm. those things don't always match up. Um, and that's, you know, that's for a lot of um, transgender folks, their assigned sex at birth doesn't match their gender identity. Mm-hmm. So it's a really, it's a cute graphic because obviously it's a unicorn. Right. So- everything's,
0: everything's better with a unicorn. <laughs>
1: right. So, and it kind of has, you know, like the, there's little graphics like on the unicorns so okay. can it kind of relates. You'll see it. I'll I can't you the wait. Graphic.
0: I can't but wait to see it. The gender
1: it. unicorn. It's go- okay. go- Googleable, if that's a word.
0: So what do you think is, um, and this is me. I love being able to share these stories. So what is the hardest thing that you've encountered from that, as, from the, from, as, from the LGBTQ perspective?
1: Um, mostly as, you mean as a nurse or just in my life? (laughs) As a a
0: human, as a human
1: being. As a human, I mean, I am pretty privileged as like a cisgender white female. Um, so I have a lot of privilege in that, that I haven't had too much discrimination. Mm -hmm. Um, and I also have, you know, a pretty amazing career that allows me to use my nursing skills and Mm -hmm. my, and my LGBT skills, um, to educate. Um, I think it's just the pushback from especially other healthcare providers trying to say, like, they should be able to discriminate against us because of their religious preferences or, you know, because it goes against their religion. Um, So that's been that's been kind of a big pushback. And then also from other providers just saying, like, you know, I don't need to know this because I treat everyone with respect and I, you know, I treat everyone the same. Mm -hmm. So just like kind of putting a wall up. But I know, you know, as as my wife is a very androgynous, um, sort of soft butch um, lesbian, mm-hmm. she gets misgendered a lot. Um, she's a person of color. She's Filipina. Mm-hmm. So she does get a lot more um, discriminatory things than I do. Like, the, I don't even, it probably doesn't even have to do with being gay, but we were walking the dog and, and some guy made some comment about, oh, are you going to eat that dog? You know, because she's Asian. So... <laughs> It was just, it was, and yeah, and this is, you know, 2018 or maybe 2017. (laughs) I just, (laughs) I just just said that
0: the other day about something. I'm like, it's 2018. People are still saying this. Like, that's exactly what I mean. Yeah.
1: And I feel like people have been very emboldened by this new horrific presidency um, where they feel like they can say whatever they want. So like, you know, I was in a patient's room the other day and and there was, there was something on the news or on TV about, there was like a same sex kiss or something to that mm-hmm. effect. And the patient says, oh, like, why do I have to watch that? You know, why do I have to watch that all day? And I'm like, because I have to watch heterosexuals kiss on TV every single day. Like you think you can right. deal with this one kiss to right. normalize like our lives. Right. So it's kind of just bits and pieces that I hear like throughout my day and and as a nurse, like, people feel that they can ask you the most personal of questions. Right. So I do get a lot of personal questions from patients, um, which most of them, most of the time, I'm very happy answering them. Like, you know, they'll ask about my ring and they'll ask, of course, they'll assume, oh, do you have a husband? Right. <laughs> so then right. I have to correct that. And and like it could go either way, honestly. Right. So sometimes, you know, I'll get the, oh, you know, my son is gay or my best friend is gay. And then sometimes you're like, well, you know, the Bible says so. Yeah. So we could go either way. And <laughs> I just try to take everything with a grain of salt, even though I'll probably go on Facebook and vent about it.
0: <laughs> right. That's true. Hopefully not me. T- try. I mean, tell me if I've said something completely.
1: I promise I will. <laughs> okay.
0: Because I don't, yeah, I'm not just, always self-aware. I'd really try to be because I talk to so many different people. I really, I feel like my brain has like expanded its awareness, but there are times when it's not.
1: Yeah. No worries. I'll tell yeah. you. <laughs> okay. Good.
0: Good. So what do you think is the best part?
1: I mean, just the community. Mm-hmm. I love my community so much. We're mm-hmm. such a diverse colorful group and there's so much freedom in the LGBT community especially like if you go to pride Um, Mm -hmm. actually this last in 2017 my wife and I got married and Mm -hmm. the whole theme of our wedding was pride
0: Mm -hmm. we had
1: um, a very rainbow-tastic wedding um, and then our reception (laughs) was at the DC pride parade Oh wow! yeah we rented like bleacher seating for all hundred of our guests and all of our guests came from the ceremony and went to the reception which was literally on the pride route wow and you know just just being surrounded by our friends and family um a lot of them who had never been to pride and some of them who kind of went kicking and screaming ended up having a good time and seeing that we're not just you know I don't even know what people's perceptions are you know often on the news you'll see like the draggiest of drag queens and right. people in assless chaps so people think that's that's the whole thing of pride <laughs> which of course there's those things too and and you know, sexual freedom and sexual expression is all part of our community. So right. there's so much variety to, um, to the parade. There's, you know, there's parents holding signs, like I love my gay, my gay kids. So right. it's just a wonderful, like, if you've never been to a pride parade, do yourself a favor, put on some rainbows and go to a pride parade. I
0: will. I'll go with my brother. He, he and his <laughs> so much children fun. have gone the last and his wife and children have gone the last, I don't know, three, four years in Madison. And I'm like, why don't you tell me when it's coming? I want to go. So I'm sure this will happen this year.
1: You have to go. Yeah, I
0: totally want to. I mean, I I don't know. I just don't understand. I don't – like my goal, My if I could have my dream, like if someone said, what would you – if you had one wish, what would it be? It would be that everybody realizes we are all equal in our value and special in our differences.
1: I like that. <laughs> yep. We all know
0: Yeah, matter so same. I mean –
1: Our community is is such a fun community. Um, When I moved to Miami, actually, is when I got the most exposure to the queer community because growing up in California, you know, you think California is very progressive, which it is, but I was living in quite a bubble there. Mm -hmm. So when I moved to Miami, which is very, you know, a lot of grassroots activism because Mm -hmm. they don't have, you know, as many rights and and, um, as, as many laws that are protecting as California does. So I really got to put my boots on the ground and and get signatures and, and ask for petitions to, you know, get marriage equality in Florida, which ended up happening while we lived there and, and getting um, some rights for the trans community. And there's a lot of activism that still needs to be done. But Miami um, that activist group in Miami has, has really, really inspired me mm. to, to basically do what I'm doing.
0: That's incredible that, 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 it, that you took that detour to Miami, you know, like there was a reason for that.
1: It was the best decision of my life. Yeah. Aww.
0: <laughs>
1: Besides meeting my wife, because like all of these good things have happened in my life because of her.
0: Aww.
1: So That's she's the- not like yeah. super vegan, like she was vegan years ago. Um, and then when I went vegan, you know, I'm the one that does the cooking. So she eats, she eats everything I cook. And she's been the most supportive person in the world. Mm-hmm. And um, she completely gets my activism and and she, you know, when we're out to dinner with, like, her family, um, you know, she'll always try to make sure we go to, like, a vegan place or somewhere mm-hmm. with vegan options. Um, she's, she's wonderful.
0: <laughs> but she does eat meat.
1: Um, rarely,
0: right. It's more yeah. plant-based,
1: right? So there's a difference between like vegan and plant-based, um, okay. plant-based is how you eat mm-hmm. and vegan is, is your whole life. So I won't buy shoes with leather. Okay. Um, I go out of my way to make sure that, that products don't have any animal things in it. Like, you know, you have to, you have to kind of research sometimes, like, mm-hmm. do these shoes have animal products in their glue? who would have thought that you had to know that stuff?
0: (laughs) Right. Okay. So that is, there's a very distinct difference, right? Absolutely. Yeah.
1: So plant-based is how you eat. You eat, Mm -hmm. you know, vegan, um, you eat, you know, without animal products, but how you live, in my opinion is, is how I live as vegan. So, you know, I go out of my way to, to make sure that, that animals weren't harmed in, in things that I participate in. Like I don't go to SeaWorld or, Obviously, the Miami Sea Aquarium, unless it's to (laughs) protest.
0: Was Lolita saved?
1: She is still in that little teeny tank. Oh. Yeah. And you know, the thing is with Lolita is um, the Orca Network, a fabulous group of activists. They have a a sea pen all set up for her in her native waters of Washington State. Where she would have around the clock veterinary service, and I think it's like two hundred times the size of her tank. So she would be able to live in her natural waters mm-hmm. and get care. But the Miami Seaquarium refuses to let her go, even though Pete has offered them like a million dollars or more. Um, they just wow. she makes them so much money that, and I think they're just so hard headed at this point. Even their even their like uh, I don't know what he is the curator of mm-hmm. of that of the Miami Seaquarium. He has a bigger house than what her tank is.
0: Wow. That makes it's me like, literally, I feel like I'm going to cry right now. You know?
1: Yeah. I mean, if you ever get a chance to watch uh, Lolita, Slave to Entertainment, it's on YouTube. Okay. And that that kind of tells her story.
0: Well, then I will be crying. We.
1: <laughs> I mean, wow. it just talks about, you know, it's the same tank as she was captured in in the 70s. It's falling apart. Right. I mean, people that go there, the activists that, you know, we stand outside the Miami sea Aquarium and we have our signs and we try to get people not to go in. And by the end of our day, like our accomplishment is how many cars did we turn away? Um, so, you know, we're giving people flyers and some people come out after having gone in and they're like, that place was falling apart. And I can't believe how small her tank is. Right. Right. So it's kind of, I kind of like to hear those stories of people actually going in and then being like, oh, wow, now I get it. I'm never coming back. And I understand captivity a little bit better now.
0: I mean, because there's been a ton of publicity about this, right? This isn't just like a a small, quiet activism, you know, activist event. This has been worldwide. People know about Yeah. This?
1: People have um protests in other countries for her, um, at the other locations where Palace Entertainment owns other theme parks. Mm-hmm. Um and even I mean, there's there's protests done in like France and other countries um that that are for her. And there's there's celebrities that have spoken out against this. So it's wow. it's worldwide. Everybody knows about it. Um so it's hmm. it's really just the Miami Seaquarium. I mean, this isn't just them, it's SeaWorld, it's it's other circuses, it's it's captivity, right. and they make more money showing off these animals and having them do things that they're not supposed to be doing. <laughs> I mean, I they know. starve the whales and dolphins so that they will perform during the show. Wow. So they go into these shows hungry, and then they're like, okay, you'll do the tricks, and then you'll get the fish.
0: right. It's so sad. I mean, it's even like I haven't, I'm not really able to go to the zoo that often because I can, I almost have to put on like that filter. You know, if I do go and I try not to, I don't go anymore because my kids are grown, but I used to take them and I would go and I'd be like, it's so cool seeing the animals, but it's so gross. You know what I mean? It's so gross and, and like wrong to have these animals pulled out of their lives to do this for us.
1: Yeah. And a lot of it's in the name of like conservation, which I think a lot of places or at least some places started out with a good intention. Like SeaWorld started out with a good intention to mm-hmm. rescue and rehab and release animals. Mm-hmm. Um, but now, you know, they make so much money just keeping them there right. <laughs> that they're doing that instead.
0: Well, or sanctuaries, so sanctuaries that are saving, you know, protecting animals that were harmed. I get that. You know, like sanctuaries are amazing. Right. Like where Michael went and stayed Mm -hmm. and all that. That all makes sense to me. But when it's for these other purposes, when it's specifically set up and pulling animals out of the wild, that's different.
1: Yeah. Just for the sheer sake of exploitation.
0: Right. Right. Oh, wow. That's a tough one. Like, (laughs) I'm like feeling the sadness of Lolita right now. I'm trying to figure out how do I transition this into something different? Let's see here. Uh, There was another question at the tip of my tongue. um 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 what was it Miami I'm going back here hopefully I can edit this out <laughs> Mo- uh, Miami Lolita uh, unless well I'll give you a second if there's something specific you wanted to bring up and don't worry I'll edit out this little awkward transition <laughs> that's um, okay normally I don't I think I just got attached to her I kind of energi energetically get attached to things so I think I'm there right now and I have to cut that because it's hard to see her so sad I mean, I think about if anybody did that to a human, you know, right? And there's actually this really
1: awesome video. I think it's savelolita.org or something, something in that realm. Um, There's a video. It's like a four-minute video of this little girl being. It's like a like a cartoon, so it's not too horrible Mm -hmm. to watch. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's this little girl, and she's kidnapped from her house, and then she's put into. You know, like a captive thing where people mm-hmm. can watch her. I can't remember the details of it, but it, and then it kind of transforms the little girl and it's Lolita. Mm-hmm. And that's her exact story when she was taken from her mom at like four years old.
0: Right. Her mom is
1: still alive. Her mom is like 80 something. Wow. And she's still in those waters. So Lolita could honestly be put back with her mom in her pod. Wow. Um, so, you know, and the Seaquarium tries to say, you know, she won't survive. And and the whale from Free Willy didn't survive. Mm-hmm. Um, the whale from Free Willy was in like a tank in Mexico and was, was diagnosed with like pneumonia or something, mm-hmm. and only had a month to live. And so they ended up freeing this whale, the whale from Free Willy. Um, and this whale lived about three years in the wild. And people say, oh, well, this didn't work. This mm-hmm. whale died. But I would rather live three years Free than another right. month or two in this crappy tank.
0: Right. Exactly. Yeah. And there's it's-
1: actually lots of proven um, cases of of dolphins being rehabbed and released back in the wild, and they're they're doing just fine.
0: See, it's just not right. Why do people not do the right thing? I was on a plane coming back uh, from Texas last week with a very nice gentleman who works for a company that makes medical tools for doing surgeries and the the tools are specifically around doing surgeries on um soldiers who have been injured in battle and have like you know their legs are blown up you know shrapnel lots of like messy injuries and he was de- he goes around the country and helps the doctors learn how to um use the tools and i don't know exactly what they are but so this is in your field right it's in the medical field mm-hmm. they go to they do the they do the um injuries to animals And then they repair them so that the doctors can learn how to use the tools in practice versus first time using it on an actual victim, you know, a person who's gone through it. I shouldn't say victim because the animals are a victim in this case as well. Um, And it was really hard for me to talk to him at first because when he started telling me that, I'm like, I I started feeling kind of sick for these animals. And then um, I was under – he said he was with one person he was training and they like were just – like basically bawling, watching it happen. And I said, I was thinking he meant that they injured the animals without, I'm like, you, you do put them under right before you inflict the injuries. Like, oh well, yes, yes, yes. I'm like, but he said, and he's like, we put them all back together. So they're fine. I'm like, you know, they're actually not fine. They're actually not fine. Okay. They're caged. They're trapped. They're, they were wounded. They were, reco- they had to go through recovery like, they're not fine. Like, imagine you. Did you want, you know, like, I'm like thinking, do you want to volunteer your leg to be put under and then blown up and then re-put back together? Probably not. Cause there's a long-term. So how do you, how do you sort that out when you're like yes. as a vegan? Okay. So as a vegan and vegan is no animals were harmed in the creation of this product how does that sort out? Like, what are you doing? How do you, like, I liked him. He was a really nice man and we actually had a great conversation, but I had to sort of like set that aside, you know, because just like, I don't want to be judged about something. I'm like, uh, my beliefs, for example, my religious beliefs, I don't want to be judged and just, you know, disregarded as a whole because of my religious beliefs, which are kind of obscure and hard to describe. But anyway, (laughs) um, I don't want to. Also, I don't want to do that to other people. I don't want to think. Well, because you do that, I'm not going to like. I'm going to disregard you as a whole person. You know. So how? So I did talk with him, and actually, he's really a nice man. He had a lot of great qualities. But okay, I'll let you answer.
1: <laughs> so testing on animals in the medical field is. I mean, and and especially the military. Mm-hmm. Um, that isn't. I believe it's not completely. I'm obviously it's not illegal. Um, and even if they do put them under anesthesia and put them out, which is honestly not always the case. It's like you said, it's a very difficult recovery to be like, you know, traumatized, have a trauma wound and then have to heal from it. Um, I've seen several horrific videos, of course, because I do that to myself um, of military. You you don't have
0: to describe them in detail. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Okay.
1: Of like of military doing, um, you know, like trying to create a trauma situation oh. on an animal and they're not put out.
0: Oh, that's um, horrible.
1: And so, I mean, I don't think any animals should be tested on for medical reasons or for military reasons at all. And mm-hmm. I know monkeys, of course, are still being used in, um, in military bases to test, um, you know, like bionuclear horrible things. Right. Um, and, you know, of course, like on cosmetics and all these other things. Um, The Physicians for Responsible Medicine, they are an amazing, amazing group in the D.C. area that have actually gotten a lot of, um, like teaching schools, medical schools to stop using animals as a teaching, um, device, Hmm. because honestly it's archaic and animals don't have the same anatomy as we do. Mm -hmm. And especially for like medications and things like rats, um, which is like the old classic method to test medications. Right. It, it doesn't really translate over, um, in humans. Whoever thought
0: that that did (laughs) like whoever thought that I don't get it. Like what, what, Data proves that that's a realistic test bed, you know?
1: You know, it's so old. It's such an old thing. And we have so many better methods now. We are so advanced um, mm-hmm. that we can use like actual, you know, DNA and things for humans to test medications mm-hmm. and, and test these things that we don't need to test on animals. Um, and so it's been a really slow go trying to get the medical community and the scientific community to move away from that. Um, So Physicians for Responsible Medicine has done a tremendous amount of work to, to decrease that. Um, so I give them huge, huge props mm-hmm. and we have a long way to go as far as that goes. But obviously I don't condone any testing, even, you know, people have argued with me, like, you know, my mom has cancer and, and I would want, you know, that medication to be tested on animals and I don't care. Um, but I mean, I wouldn't, like if I needed a heart valve, I would not accept like a like a bovine, like a cow valve or a pig mm-hmm. valve in my body. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause you know, I don't think that one life um, is over another mm-hmm. just because, you know, they don't speak our language or whatnot. So that's, that's kind of the whole umbrella term of vegan is, is you wouldn't, you wouldn't do anything to harm another animal mm-hmm. as best as you can. Obviously mm-hmm. like there's like animal products in, in like car tires and bike tires. Um, so you can't, you can't live a completely 100 percent vegan life.
0: It's almost impossible Um, unless you just manufacture everything yourself.
1: (laughs) Right. Unless you live on like some co-op farm and and you make your own clothes. Um, but even that, that's a whole nother thing with, with, um, with clothing and labor and things like that. But, um, yeah, I think we can only do the best that we can do with what we have and, you know, with more and more vegan options, we can, you know, even cost wise, we can eat more, more vegan mm-hmm. than than not, and I know fruits and vegetables are not subsidized by the government as meat and dairy is, so it's more expensive to eat healthier. Um, but I do tell people, you know, like you're going to be paying for it later on with your medical bills and your your medications that you're taking for your heart disease and your diabetes, and and taking time off of work. Like those things are very, very, very costly. So you, you may be paying a little bit more for a cucumber instead of, you know, like a burger, <laughs> but at least you're not dying of a slow, painful heart disease death. Right. And quality um, of life. Stroke. Quality of Absolutely. life. I mean,
0: that's the biggest thing is that's all. That's my biggest quest for sure for the last five years is everything that I can continue to fine tune in my own, you know, organic body machine that I have so that my quality <laughs> of life is exceptional. Like, I don't, I don't want to, you know, decline. I don't want to decline. I want to just, it's not really as much about like how I look or, you know, looking youthful. It's really about, I want to climb that hill and I want to ride my bike that many miles and not have to think about it, you know? right? Yeah. And that,
1: there's a lot to be said for quality of life.
0: And quality of, and the, what we put in our bodies um, uh, absolutely 100% impacts that people 100%, pretend it yeah. doesn't, but it does. So 100%. So I'm going to turn us around to something a little bit lighter. Um, <laughs> okay. besides being an amazing nurse and the LGBT, um, represent Q representative at your role at your, um, hospital and your amazing vegan activism, what do you like to do for fun? What else do you do?
1: <laughs> That's a good question. Um, so when I'm not working, I guess I'm, I'm hiking with my dog and my wife. Mm-hmm. Um, we like to go to shows. We live in DC, so it's pretty easy to get to New York um, within like three hours or so. So we love New York because there's Mm. a huge vegan scene there. So there's so much food to be eaten. Um, And there's, you know, Broadway shows. Um, You know, we're, we're very outdoorsy people. So we try to to be outside as much as possible. My wife, more than me, she's extremely active. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she's 12 years older, but you'd never know it because she's so, <laughs> she's so active and so healthy.
0: See, um, she's got it. Well, she's got it figured out, right? The whole thing. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, she probably looks younger than me. She's going to definitely look younger than me when we're, when we're old and gray. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, just hanging out with my dog is my number one priority in mm-hmm. life. Cause you know, I feel bad that she, can't be outside and running around 100% of the day. Right. But she, luckily she's a big cuddle bug and she just wants to actually just sit on the couch with us and watch shows half the time. <laughs> right.
0: Right. And I mean, you're giving her a beautiful life. It's different um, if she were trapped in a crate, you know, 24 hours a day, right. Th- that's different than, and I, I kind of think some of the dogs of today because of all the breeding would not do as well in the wild, you know?
1: Oh yeah. A lot of them are purebred and, right. and, and have a lot of, um, Issues because of that. I right. mean, unfortunately, my dog is purebred too, and now I know better than to get a purebred dog.
0: Right.
1: Um, and I know the process of like, you know, there's puppy mills and all these other things. Um, that there's so many dogs in the shelter that need to be rescued. Oh, I know. That I would advocate for. You know, every every um, puppy mill dog that you buy is is one less dog that's going to make it in the shelter. So, so definitely adopt, don't shop. <laughs> I know.
0: Actually, we did a show with um, a woman who rescues dogs from Bosnia. And then she gets some of you know some of them come over to the U.S. as well, so and and some other places in Europe. But yeah, there's dogs everywhere, just you know that want, that need homes and need love and all of that.
1: Yeah, we actually just went to a cat cafe the other day. A cat um, cafe? What's yeah. that? Yeah. So they're in they're in different cities throughout the country. I'm seeing them more in like the big cities. Like there's one in D.C., one in L.A., and there's one in. Um, whereas at Baltimore. But basically you go and um, you have coffee with cats that um, need homes. So you get to meet these cats and um, maybe take it home.
0: (laughs) Wow. I mean like they have like it's open like there's cats there all the time available. Yeah there's usually about 20
1: cats at a time in a cat cafe depending on the size of it. Um, And then you know you just get to play with cats and drink your coffee and and a lot of people end up adopting them. Wow, um, that's so awesome. So it's really good. And even if, like, you can't have a cat, it's a nice way to just spend time with the cat. and
0: Give them love. And, and yeah. yeah. And, and
1: it's, I mean, you pay to get in. You pay, you, like, reserve your time slot. And so it's not too overwhelming. Like, you can't have too many people in there at once. Um, but, yeah, so you get to play with the cats. And we actually did cat yoga with them at this Aww. cat cafe, which was awesome. <laughs>
0: That's so, so cool.
1: Yeah, like the cats just lay on your mat or like kind of climb on you or rub up against you. I, I never want to do yoga without an animal involved again. <laughs> it's kind of spoiled me. I
0: think you're spawning like all these cat cafes across the world as well as yoga studios, animal <laughs> in- infused yoga studios. So yes, I know you see so but, many on Instagram that are doing yoga with their dogs around their dogs are stretching with them and climbing around them I'm like, yeah, it's a whole different world.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'd love to do goat yoga. I've seen, like, goat yoga, but <laughs> but I, you know, I have to make sure that it's ethical goats because some of these places are, you know, still milking the goats and, and using the goats, like, as, you know, as they would uh-huh. um, in the farm <laughs> setting, so... I will only do goat yoga in like a sanctuary setting.
0: <laughs> so goat yoga is a real thing. You're not just making that up. Oh
1: no. I've seen so many people post about goat yoga. Okay. Um, but just just make sure that it's it's ethical goat yoga.
0: <laughs> ethical goat yoga. All right. That's <laughs> yes. we're going to we're going to uh, promote ethical goat yoga on the listening particle <laughs> show. So just wait and awesome. see. Awesome. All right. Well, this has been a really amazing getting to know you and hearing your story. And I'm like, I'm grateful that you're in the world and doing what you do. Just so grateful. Thank you. (laughs) Definitely. I mean, on so many levels, you're giving back, you know what I mean? Helping people, helping animals, taking great care of yourself and your partner and your family. It's uh, it's a good life, right?
1: Yeah, there's a quote I really like. It's something um, like my activism is my rent to be on this planet. So that's kind of how I feel.
0: Ah, that's very cool. Put yeah. that out there too. So if people do want to get in touch with you or check you out, what is the best place? Like, is it Instagram or do you have a Facebook or a webpage?
1: Yeah, probably Instagram. I'm at Bear 9 and I started a blog like probably a year ago um, on WordPress and it's vegan for life. Um, okay. But I've only done a couple of posts on that blog because blogging is very time intensive.
0: <laughs> it definitely is. But I is. kind
1: of give like how to make easy vegan breakfast and how to live vegan on the cheap. So I like to, tell you know, try to promote that vegan doesn't have to always be super expensive. Like you can go to like your local Asian grocery store and, and spend half the price on fruits and vegetables and get really amazing things. Mm. Um, so it's not always, you know, for the elite, even though, you know, often it's perceived to be a very privileged elite way of, of eating, but you can definitely get a buy in bulk and go to Asian grocery stores and and live on a cheaper life, you know, live cheaply and um, eat healthy.
0: That's great information because I'm going to be looking into some of that. I figure if I can start eating more vegan meals or, you know, then I'm moving closer, plant-based meals. I'm moving closer, (laughs) right? It's just all steps closer. Did you see me catch myself on that? I love it. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, um, have you heard of Rich Roll?
1: Yes, yes, I have.
0: He has so when you were talking about the on a budget kind of thing, he has a really great um, episode he did. Specifically, he and his son went to I think three or four different stores, and showed how you can get things on a budget to live oh, uh, plant based. Awesome. Yeah, so he, it's it's kind of fun. They go in. Some of the stores won't let them tape, and it's kind of funny. <laughs> but he comes out and sits in the park with each uh, each of his uh, packages of loot that he gets at each store, and talks <laughs> through it.
1: Oh, that's awesome. We'll have yeah. to check that
0: out. Yeah, yeah. He's a cool guy. So for those of you who don't know, he's a vegan ultra marathoner, ultra athlete, I guess. I don't know exactly which way he calls himself, but um, and an activist and all those things. And he's a really, really popular podcast.
1: Yeah, it's a great podcast. I mean, his story is really, really inspiring. It's it is
0: totally. All right. Well, I'm gonna let you roll and I wanna thank you for coming on the show and talking with me about all these great things.
1: Awesome. Well, thank you so much for having me.
0: Definitely. And keep in touch, okay?
1: Oh, I definitely will. I'll send you some resources.
0: Sounds good. All right. All right. Bye. Bye. People never disappoint. You know that? Every episode, it just blows me away. We went a lot of different directions, which is awesome. So here's the thing I would love your advice on. I'm sometimes trying to be so careful about what to say and what words to use and what not to say. Do I say this or do I say that? And it's more than just pronouns, it's more than that. The pronouns are part of it. And in fact, when um, when Claire emailed me back for, with some pictures, she told me what her pronouns were, which was really helpful. I didn't even think to ask it. Ah, but. Here's what the thing is, like, I love everybody for their uniqueness and their sameness and their differences and their likeness, all of that. But I get tripped up in not knowing which words to use. And I think sometimes that makes it look like I don't feel that way. And I do. So I'd love your advice on that. Shoot me some messages. Tell me what I can do to do it right. Yeah, be real. Thanks for listening, everyone. See you next time. Are you following your passion, inspiring people, and willing to share your story? Then find me, because that's what I do. And remember, keep up with all the news by visiting glisteningparticles.com and signing up for the newsletter where you'll get the inside scoop on where I'll be wandering next, some guest updates, and the latest random acquaintance story. For up-to-the-moment shenanigans, follow the show on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And if you see me post from down the road at your local diner, Be sure to drop everything and come say hi because I love to meet the listeners. Until next time, keep shining.